The views expressed on the International Internet Strangers mixtape do not necessarily represent the opinions of, uh, like, anybody. It's fine. Uh, but I do have this. Oh, I've missed our little jingle. Yeah, I, I forgot to put all those on the new the new soundboard. But uh, welcome, everybody, to... Uh, so hard not to do Tupac at that. I guess it's Dre's verse on a Tupac song. To the International Internet Strangers mixtape, the show where we are the hosts. Man, it's a morning for me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I am Damon. And I am Zen. And it's not the morning for me. So we, uh, I, beautiful babies, you know the, 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 the gimmick of the show where we put off talking about the mixtapes that we've made for each other because there are only so many and we want to talk about some other stuff. Uh, Did you have any X-Files follow-up stuff? Yeah, so one of our questions in the last episode was, who is Phoebe Green, who is in your spreadsheet? Oh, that's right. Uh, Phoebe Green is Mulder's kind of English girlfriend from college. Oh, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, I watched, I watched, uh, well, I've had a few episodes on in the background while I've been doing stuff. So, so there we go. That is Phoebe Green. I didn't yeah. notice, uh, Mulder get his kit off in that episode, which you had promised me. <laughs> Never mind. All right, cool. Well, yeah. Why, why don't you, why don't you tell, uh, oh, wait, wait, before we get into our, before we get into our topic, uh, I just want to remind the beautiful babies, we do have a fake Patreon. It's a fake Patreon because we're not going to promise you additional content but if you want to join the fake patreon it's fake patreon.com backslash the podcast you're listening to right now all one word and if you join the fake patreon at the tdk level or higher we will read your name on the episode uh fake name obviously for fake patrons uh they go by names like king incommunicado kid charlemagne and johnny a third thing i still don't really get this bit but i'm nodding and i'm going with it (laughs) It's because it's a handful of the shows I listen to have actual Patreon and they read sure, actual sure. usernames. And yeah. I thought, that's that's kind of funny. Anyway. So this week, um, I'm, I'm sure you may have seen that Tom Hanks gave an interview recently. He's written a book. And the soundbite that's kind of been doing the rounds is he said, you know, I've done almost 100 movies now. He's got something like 96 acting credits and, you know, a few things in post-production. And of those four are pretty good. <laughs> so it's got the internet speculating. What are the four? What are the four? So I thought we could talk about our four favorite. Yeah. You know, we don't know Tom Hanks. We don't know the inside workings of his mind. I have no way of guessing what he thinks the four are, but we can certainly say what our four are. Yeah. Well, I, I also, I do have a small speculation on what his four are. Ooh, okay. I'm, I'm going to say depending on what he counts as you know in the category mm. it's either apollo 13 or from the earth to the moon which he just produced right that was a documentary hmm he's done quite a few moony things so yeah so yeah based on what i know about tom hanks he is his four that he thinks are pretty good it's going to be apollo 13 uh saving private ryan that thing you do of course yeah and uh, because he's a, he's a silly Billy sometimes, I'm going to say season one of Fargo, or whichever one Colin was in. Okay. Is he in that? No, Colin is. 
But that wouldn't count. That wouldn't count. Yeah, he's oh. a bit of a silly Billy. Okay. He he was in a film with Colin when he was a little kid. Oh, really? He played his dad in something. Yeah. Huh. The Great Buck Howard, I think that was. Oh, well, that's not too long. Uh, 2008, I guess it is fairly long ago at this point, but relative to his full ca- career, it's not that long ago. This is true. I'm going to Google it to make sure I'm not lying. Uh, the funny, th- funny thing about The Great Buck Howard, you know, looking through his filmography and everything for getting ready for this episode, is I would hear... So I, I listen to a lot of movie podcasts. Um, Tom Hanks comes up quite a bit on uh, Doug Love's movies. Mm. And so when they're playing a game uh, like Last Person Standing, where you each player goes through and tries to name as many films by a particular actor or actress uh. that would play in Tom Hanks, The Great Buck Howard would come up. And it sounds like something that maybe came between Splash and Big, like something right there in the middle 80s. I was really shocked to see that's that's a title from from 2008. Do you you think maybe your brain does that because you're thinking of uh, Uncle Buck, maybe? I think so. I think that's that's definitely part of it. And Mm. it seems like a title from that that era. Yeah, it really does. And now I can't think of other examples, but it seems (laughs) very much middle of the of the, the Reagan administration. Sure. Cool. Okay, so they're the ones that you think. I mean, yeah, that thing you do. It was his directorial debut, so I'm sure he's very proud of it. And it's not bad. It's a good film. It's a, it's a good movie. I quite like it. Yeah. It was almost in my top four, but then I was like, well, I haven't seen it in forever. It's, it's, I like the song. R.I.P. Adam Schlesinger, first celebrity victim of the COVID virus. Almost any sort of pop music that's original to a film in that era, that was Adam Schlesinger from uh, Fountains of Wayne. Oh, wow. Well, that's sad. So, so yeah, you saying that you didn't want to put anything that you hadn't seen recently in your top four. I, I struggled with this a little bit because I realized I've got like a massive DVD folder that I, th- uh-huh. I think fits like 200 discs. And I've crammed extras into some of them. Oh, no. So there's got to be like at least 250 movies in there. I don't own, aside from all the, well, the first three Toy Story films. Oh, there you go. I don't own a single Tom Hanks film. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. No, I'm, same same thing, honestly. Some of these, uh, I haven't seen that recently, but I think that thing you do, it it just doesn't live with me that much. Mm. If I'm thinking about Tom Hanks movies, I'm like, oh yeah, that thing you do, that was a good one. But if I'm not thinking about Tom Hanks movies, it doesn't really come around to me that often. Sure. I mean, why would yeah. it? You know, it, it's fun. It is fun. But yeah. Yeah. And I'll 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 throw in a, an occasional uh, I quit. I quit. <laughs> I quit. I quit. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I quit, Mr. White. But that's because my friends would quote that, you know, like I picked that up from other people more than right. I, I brought that along with me. Well, that's a good reference. I like that. I really wanted to watch, because it came up on the on the radio the other day. I really wanted to watch uh, He Knows You're Alone, the, the first film. His first credit. film. Yeah. 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 So I've never seen that one. I have no idea where to track it down other than buying it. Um, 
I found an article in the Washington Post about Tom Hanks' career. And there's just a little bit of background about He Knows You're Alone, because I knew nothing about it. So Hanks' movie debut is a slasher film that's an obvious Halloween knockoff, right down to the mask and the music. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's cheapo schlock, but it'll live forever because of Hanks' appearance as a student who's sceptical that the protagonist is really being stalked. His dialogue sets him up to be murdered, but the filmmakers liked him so much that they decided to let his character live. That's pretty cool for your first that's, film. That's great. Yeah. He, yeah. And that, I mean, really goes to speak towards just that Tom Hanks charm mm. that he's, he's really known for. Like that's, that's kind of his thing. Yeah. And even like some of the early ones, like I was watching a bachelor party this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, 1984. It's so problematic. It's really oh sure, really in 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 a way that that only films from that era can be. Um, but he is he's just kind of like yeah, charming and he's quite slapstick in his early days, isn't he? Yeah, like he he's he does play the comedy stuff very broad. Mm. Yeah, the earliest one, uh, the earliest Tom Hanks that I've seen was uh, Mazes and Monsters, mm. because I had I'd heard for you know ever like oh yeah, Tom Hanks was in this movie where these kids play Dungeons and Dragons and he goes crazy and hides out oh, in the sewers. It's that one. Or in the tunnels beneath the city. Yeah. yeah. Mazes and monsters. Um, so yeah, when, when I was getting the the DVDs from Netflix, that was definitely one of them that, oh. that I got. And you know, it, it isn't good, <laughs> but he's great in it. Like it's f for, you know, a TV movie from 1982. I think he gives a, a, a very compelling performance. Yeah. Just, you know, the fun of watching and then, you know, knowing in reverse, oh, he's, you know, going to be in, uh, let's not give away the movies we're going <laughs> to put in our top four. But he's going to be, you know, this, this whole thing, he's going to host Saturday Night Live yeah. however many times. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And actually that, that kind of criticism that it's not a great movie, but Tom Hanks is pretty good, comes up so consistently in reviews of his films like yeah. so many films are like if this was anyone other than Tom Hanks it it would have panned but the fact that that it's him saved right. it you know it still may not be a great film but it's okay cuz it's Tom Hanks all right so yeah should we get uh so i've got my top 4 and my bottom 1 ooh okay okay hit us with one of your top 4 let's okay so this is the oldest one on my list big mhm mm i I mean, it's a much more complicated situation morally than I worried about as a kid. Yeah. But it's, but I did, this is one that I grew up with. Like of any Tom Hanks movie, this is the one that I think has definitely been with me the longest. Yeah. And it's got, uh, it, it's funny because it's got a bunch of stuff that it feels, that doesn't feel applicable to me. Like. It's got like an, an East Coast vibe that I don't fully like. I know it from TV. Mm. Uh, it's got that '80s love of the '50s with the the shimmy shimmy cocoa pop thing. Like, yeah, yeah. That I I guess like it didn't really click to me as like I knew. Well, I guess you have to do this to make a movie or something. Is like kind of how I justified it in my head. So it's got a couple of things that weren't really I didn't feel were for me. But it's got John Lovitz. <laughs> It's yeah, I think it's it's great. I thought it was very fun as a kid. I think it's great when you've got that 
you know, base level of watching it to rewatch it as an adult and be like, wait a minute, I, w- <laughs> I want to be able to walk into a place and get a job. Just. Yeah. I mean, you know, suspension of disbelief uh, needs to be employed quite heavily for this one. But um, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, people of our age, it, you know, so it came out in 88. So it would have been kind of knocking around on VHS by the time that we were interested in, in watching things. Um, yep. It was one of the ones that we had in our house too. And it is, it's a great movie. It's good fun. Uh, but and, yeah, watching it as an adult, it's a bit like, oh dear, that's not okay. Yeah. And well, it, what's funny to me, uh, the I think it was the last time I, I watched it, I I realized, because people talk about Tom Hanks's dramatic work starting at like Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He plays a lot of this very seriously. Like when he's in that hotel room, like he's not really playing up how scared, like, I mean, it's funny what he does, but it, it, it reads very real to me. Like, well, again, it's like if anyone else had, had played this character, it could have, yeah. this whole film could have gone a completely different way because it could have been so hammy. Like yeah, if- the, the amount of, the amount of films where you see an adult playing a kid because they've done some body swap thing or sure. whatever, it, it can just be so overdone and kind of pantomime. But yeah, I don't know. He manages to tread that line quite, like you say, it's, it's, it's like, it's not pure comedy. There's, there's some quite touching moments in there. Yeah. And, and that's what makes the comedy bits work is that mm. we, not necessarily what makes the comedy bits work, but what makes everything work together. You talk about movies where adults play kids in an adult body it mm. uh, makes me think of the robin williams movie jack yeah and and we know robin williams can do you know serious very touching very grounded performances mm-hmm. but it felt like in that movie he was given permission just not to <laughs> and it it's you know a kid on top of a robin williams character and it it doesn't i remember as a kid like it's, it's okay it's kind of funny it doesn't really hit for me mm. i wouldn't have been able to say that but I think that's that's quite a an interesting perspective actually is watching those movies as a kid, you know, yeah. when you know what kids act like because you are one and you hang out with them every day, you know. Yeah, that's true, yeah. It does make a difference, I think. But yeah, big solid suggestion, solid selection even. <laughs> um I support it. I considered I considered big, but Oh, uh, one, one last thing on big. Hmm. It has something I uh, a lot of 80s and early 90s films have that I was very jealous of, and that's Two Friends with Walkie Talkies. Oh, yeah. You could never get it to work, <laughs> but it's just, it's the dream, you know? It's it's the kind of Goonies, like, yeah, it was a trope that I was just very jealous of. I, I assumed that all American kids had <laughs> neighbor friends with walkies. Yeah, right, and I, I was just in the neighborhood that I grew up in yesterday at work, and I was like, man, these, I was really close to, you know, Chad and Jake, they were just, you know, over there on the other boat. I, I would never have had a walkie-talkie that could reach to their house. No. The best I would have been able to do was my Aunt Phyllis uh, next door. <laughs> I was less interested. Well, you know. I, I love Phyllis, obviously. She she was great, but she didn't ride a bike. She didn't want to ride her bike down to the Arctic Circle, get a free dip cone. I'm sure she wanted to, but she wasn't going to. Aww. All right. So, let's yeah, let's hear, uh, let's hear uh, one of yours. Okay, so I'm going vaguely kind of chronological. So there's a there's a lot that I feel like I have a cluster in the kind of mid eighties through to the nineties where I just saw a lot of Tom Hanks films. Sure. But I will caveat this with saying I haven't seen this recently, but I'm going with Dragnet. 
oh no yeah i haven't seen all of it so i can't okay go ahead i know that subjectively it's not a good film <laughs> but you know as as a kid uh i really like dan Aykroyd, obviously ghostbusters my stepmother as an alien was a big oh that's fun a film that i really liked and he plays this really like straight-laced kind of I, i'm not quite sure what what the conventions are but it's it's maybe kind of like that kind of well he's he's joe friday yeah 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 so based on the the 60s tv series dragnet oh okay see i don't i don't know that <laughs> Oh, you don't know Dragnet? <laughs> oh, see, that's that's very see. I like Dragnet. Is you're one of those things that the adults are watching as a kid, and you're like, this one's okay, right? Because it had the uh, the the opening. This is the city that appealed to me as a kid. So, see, I like I like the 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 actual serious, not a joke at all, crime series Dragnet. Right. As a kid, because it had like some iconic sort of repeatable stuff. I fell asleep watching it one time. Had a little nightmare about it. Guy on a roof with like a, a TV antenna killing snakes, and okay. they had to stop him doing it. Of course, that's that's a weird childhood nightmare I had. That's that's really strange. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have that reference. It just kind of you know, it's this kind of serious, like almost kind of like film noir detective kind of style. Yeah, and then you've got Tom Hanks as the kind of goofy sidekick, and it you know it's got stuff about like scary satanic cults and there's a really awesome. ridiculous awful rap yeah that's what i was yeah. gonna bring up but i don't know just as a kid it was just so much fun it was one that i liked watching a lot although now if you asked me i, I couldn't tell you the entire details of the plot i don't really know sure <laughs> but but as we learned last episode we didn't really tell you all the details of the x-files pilot we had just watched that is true so. that is very true it doesn't it doesn't have to be that's not necessarily the signifier of something quality or long lasting. No. So I was I was kind of torn between going for Dragnet or the Burbs as as my kind of first pick. Oh see there you go. See I I had the Burbs as a, a long list also ran as well. Yeah. But again, it's been so long since I've seen it and I couldn't find it to rewatch it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And when I was trying to remind myself it's just universally panned as being awful. Really? That's so weird because it's also beloved. Yeah. It's one of those like dichotomy of the fan reaction and the critical reaction. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. I was I was more hesitant about the burbs just because I have even fewer memories than Dragnet, but I still have that kind of nostalgic fuzz around it. So, uh, so the, the burbs is one I actually didn't see until college, uh, okay. but I had a, a friend who was who loved it and would uh, all the time be like, all right, Mr. Peterson, yes! <laughs> Go for it, Mr. Peterson, yes! Ha <laughs> well, ha! Now everybody's watching. Which isn't even Tom Hanks' line, that's a, a Corey Feldman? I want to say Feldman. Yes, uh, and Carrie Fisher's in it too. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. See, I since like 2016, I've had a, a whole new thing about Carrie Fisher because I only knew her as Princess Leia. And then she was in one episode of Dr. Katz Professional Therapist, where she played okay. Dr. Katz's ex-wife. I didn't know for a long time that was her, but it's a great it's a great episode, great performance. I love it. It's Thanksgiving episode. Nice. Um, but yeah, and then uh, I watched When Harry Met Sally for the first time as an adult. I was like, oh, she's great in this. Watched, uh, oh, she's not in Postcards from the Edge. It's about her. 
Uh, she's in Blues Brothers uh, as the crazy ex-girlfriend. Blues, oh yeah, she's so good yeah. in Blues Brothers. That's another one that I watched at, at, that, at that time. She's so good yeah. there. So like, yeah, I don't, I don't think we got what we could have from Carrie Fisher. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and, and she's always going to have Star Wars more than Harrison Ford, but less, I think, than Mark Hamill. Yeah, I guess. I guess like. Mark Hamill's done an amazing job at carving a different niche, but he's not as well known. Like, you know, for me, I think of him as a voice actor. Yeah. Um, all the stuff he's done with DC and cartoons and stuff, like Yeah, true truly iconic Joker. He is like... the Joker to me, you know. <laughs> hello, hello, operator. I believe my party's been disconnected <laughs> the the same way bruce tim is batman right but yeah you, you say that to like i don't know maybe people our parents generation they will know him from star wars and that's probably about it yeah and and to look at him you know star wars so uh dragnet yeah i and see, my my, I, I never watched the whole thing it was on comedy central i think when i was mm. a kid and i i would it didn't pull me in and then I saw the end credits with the rap over it, and I said, "Ooh, bad eighties, eighties oh, rap." But it's man. so bad. 80s. It's so bad. It's almost good. But I am, I am saying this <laughs> with such a heavy caveat that I did not manage to dig it out. So, okay, if if I if I find a copy of it and watch it tomorrow, and then suddenly realize it's like horrifically racist or something, <laughs> I, I will take it back. I will take it back. Um, yeah. All right. For my next one, I'm going to bounce. The, to the other end chronologically mm-hmm. uh we started with big uh the most recent film in my top four is catch me if you can hmm. from two, uh, 2003 2004 let's consult the spreadsheet yes. <laughs> catch me if you can 2002 yeah so 2002 that's the year i uh graduated high school started college and and tom hanks is not the reason I picked this one. Mm-hmm. This is the movie that turned me around on Leonardo DiCaprio. In which direction? <laughs> well, because I, I had done that teen boy thing of he was in Titanic. He's the enemy. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this was the movie that I watched where I'm like, oh, wait, no, but he is actually good. It's weird to think about DiCaprio in 2002 because we have had 20 years of DiCaprio since then. All the uh, Scorsese stuff and uh, Inception and mm-hmm. Revenant and all this other stuff, but for yeah, for people who knew back in two thousand two, they already knew that he was great. They had you know what's eating Gilbert Grape and uh, Basketball Diaries and mm-hmm. uh, oh Romeo and Juliet. Oh Romeo and Juliet, yeah, uh, and yeah, he he had like a pretty good body of work. Mm already a C- couple of couple of stinkers uh, oh sure the man in the iron mask not great oh, that's right yeah that was definitely trying to capitalize on okay he's pretty the young girls like him yeah. well, let's bring him in it, it wasn't I, I never saw it but it didn't seem like the best use of leonardo dicaprio no uh but yeah i have i it's been a long long time since i saw catch you catch me if you can mm. but I, it's one that like it really hit me. I was like, oh yeah, but this is like a good movie. It's paced well. That's a I want to say a Spielberg. Ooh, 
Actually, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Fact that... checking. <laughs> we should have a little fact checking jingle. Googling. Googling. Other search engines are available. Yeah, Spielberg. Ah. So yeah, a couple of a couple of Hanks and Spielberg. Yeah. So I know that there are two directors that he has worked with more than any others. Yeah, it is okay. it is Steven Spielberg and Ron Howard have each done four a piece with Tom Hanks. Huh. So I know Ron Howard did Apollo Apollo 13. Mhm. So Splash was his. That was kind oh, of that's right, yeah. The, the movie that launched Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, and Ron Howard outside of Happy Days, obviously. Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, was Splash there? was. I, I that's what I watched as, for the first time as an adult. I thought it was pretty pretty fun. Yeah. Okay. That's good um, to know. I don't have. People did when uh, The Shape of Water came out. People criticized it as being basically a gender swapped Splash. God. I was like, maybe it was, but it's a good ass movie. I loved it. So, yeah, and and just a million times darker. Like, yeah, you, you don't see Daryl Hannah like munching on pet cats in Splash. Yeah, so. and the was is it Eugene Levy? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's no Michael Shannon as far as yeah. sinister <laughs> uh, vibes go. Uh, but yeah, he's really good in Catch Me If You Can. He's a great serious. See, there he's playing kind of the the Dan Aykroyd apart from uh dragnet very serious yeah uh law enforcement yeah i want to watch that one again hmm it's been a while yeah yeah i would rewatch that there are films on this list the spreadsheet that yeah i would not watch again just uh, life I'm, is life is too short you know i'm never gonna watch forrest gump again ever unless i Unless I really commit to watching all Best Picture winners. Oh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I, this is a dumb thing I think about a lot having kids now. Mm. Is, oh, well, that'll be the perfect opportunity to watch this thing I've been putting off. But uh, the the idea I've had is since we're not going to actual church on Sundays, mm. we set aside a little time on Sunday. We watch a movie. We call that church. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Watch, watch something you, you, you're supposed to watch. I, I suppose it's it must be quite nice, like, being able to to share things with them. But I, I would definitely, like we were talking about with Big, like, parts of it haven't aged very well, i.e. Right. A child basically having sex with a, with a grown woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that, you know, would it, if I had kids, would I want, would I want to show that to my kids? I don't know. I, I wouldn't keep anything from them, but I don't know that I would proactively Watch, introduce yeah. them to it. You know, makes you think. <laughs> so okay, so um, so yeah, the Washington Post article. Um, in that they said that his films very broadly fall into two kind of eras. So I, I know you mentioned like his kind of dramatic acting era, but they defined it as his take any job era. Uh -huh. And his kind of like more serious acting era, which is defined from A League of Their Own onwards. Yeah. From 1992, which is only just before Philadelphia. Really. Right. And it is. And that, yeah. And that's like a, it, even, you know, it's, it's kind of a silly comedy. The, the legacy it's had, at least, has given it uh, a bit of prestige. Oh, totally. I, I don't know if, if that was all there in 92 when it came out. 
Because I, I remember, oh, it's a fun baseball movie. Yeah, I, I feel like it was a popular one. Yeah, it def- definitely was that. You know, no crying in baseball. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. The Madonna uh, song from the end credits. This used to be my playground. This used to be my childhood dream. This used to be the place I ran to. I think she hosted SNL. Yeah. And uh, uh, to support that one. So I mean, promote. Yeah, amazing cast. Um, even even in the UK, where you know we don't we don't really know about yeah. baseball it was still it was one of the ones that kind of was in the rotation yeah. john lovitz again um right <laughs> gina davis rosie o'donnell just great yeah Bloody uh, great. oh who who's uh kit because she was tank girl oh her and yeah and she's in um orange is the new black as well as the as the that's right yeah yeah Oh, what's her name? Googling. 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 Other search engines are available. Uh, Petty. Lori Petty. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's she's good. She didn't. Uh, I think she's one that Hollywood did a little dirty. Mm. Possibly because of Tank Girl. But Tank Girl was. Have you seen Tank Girl? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's I mean, it's not classically good, but it's way the hell better than Judge Dredd was. Sure. I mean, yeah, the the movie is absolutely nothing on the comics. Right. And actually, um, Jamie Hewlett, who drew Tank Girl uh-huh. and des- designed the, the characters in Gorillaz, the, the band. Oh, cool. Um, he's actually from Worthing, which is, is where I live. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Uh, but we digress, as ever. As we do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for A League of Their Own for my next pick. Yeah, and it just, I, I think it is quite an interesting pivotal moment in his career in terms of the, the tone and having that kind of freedom to do something a bit different. He gained a load of weight for the film, apparently just by eating ice cream, awesome. which is not very healthy. And he actually he, ne- he actually now has diabetes, doesn't he, from all, oh. all his weight gains and losses. Castaway. And... Well, Castaway being the big one, but I mean, you know, he gained a load of weight for League of Their Own. Lost it again for Philadelphia. Lost it for Philadelphia, which was the next. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, lots of weight gains and losses. And he's he's said in interviews, like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, League, League of Their Own. Um, yeah, I mean, not not loads more to say about it, really. Just, like you said, you've got the Madonna link. Um, and now there's the new series, which is really awesome. I, know, I need to watch that. It's I'd seen some people tweeting about it and I was like, mm, I don't know that I want to see a remake. That doesn't really appeal to me. And then I just kind of happened to to watch an episode and ended up binging it because it's just, A, it's just really well written and well acted, but B, it's got this whole like queer representation that I just hadn't expected. And I mean, that's very stupid of me because it's kind of mostly what it's about. Right. But, um, yeah, it was just it was really good. Um, 
I don't want to give too much away really, but I do recommend it. Yeah, and see, I knew that was definitely going to be a part of it because, mm. okay, yeah. Uh, oh, producer, not a writer. Uh, River Butcher uh, is a comedian. He's trans, loves baseball. Mm-hmm. And so before uh, he trans- transitioned, he had a, a podcast about baseball and had mentioned like some connection to the League of Their Own. Yeah, cool. Uh, so like, I knew that that would all be a part of it. It's like, well, this is the perfect person too. That's like, I, I don't really know of anybody who loves baseball quite that same way. Mm. You know, I thought, yeah, I thought that was, was perfect. So yeah. And, and, uh, Abby Jacobson who plays, um, oh yeah, that's, yeah. Carson who is bi, I think I'm not sure, yep. but she's queer certainly. Yeah. So yeah, this, it, it seems like it's actually been written by queer people about queer people which yeah it has made me laugh though some of the like younger viewers like their takes on it have been so contextually unaware (laughs) right yeah this show is set in the 40s come on (laughs) right what like when you consider what their the characters considerations would have had to be uh in the 40s just think about the film producers the decisions had to be made in the 90s making the first movie yeah yeah because you can't you couldn't really put anything in there you could kind of because rosie wasn't out no as a as a person so you know you didn't even have that like everything was subtextual and kind of below the surface so to be able now to even tell the story at all is yeah a thing but you have to tell it like it would have been you can't just make it like euphoria no but this is it like so yeah some of the stuff that particularly i would say kind of younger girls are kind of um their their takes on it like i did see a thread where someone was like this character's so toxic for not acknowledging their relationship publicly it's like are you you, oh really really she would have been lobotomized yeah the, the the this is a person who didn't see the uh imitation game right or at least you don't have to watch all the imitation game just the the prologue or the uh the epilogue <laughs> that's all you need to see even quite frankly just paying attention to the plot in a league of their own the show that you are talking about you know, right in- right exactly <laughs> um yeah there, there've been a couple of things like that or like oh that bar seems so fun i'd really love to hang out in that bar it's like well yes yeah but <laughs> you when you had to mm. There was literally nowhere else to go. And then, spoiler alert. So, yeah. League of Their Own, 1992. League of Their Own, also on mine. It's, uh, yeah, it's a it's a very fun movie. I remember going to the drive-in. Oh, cool. To see it. Uh, I never stayed all the way awake through a full movie at the drive-in as a kid. But I always loved going. It was always a great experience. Uh, so, I've never been to a drive-in. Sure. Here's, here's something that I've always wondered. Obviously, if you're the driver or the passenger in the front, you have a great view. I get that. Uh-huh. But why do people go with like a car full of people? I feel like if you're sitting in the back, you've got a really crappy view of the screen, don't you? Uh, maybe. Well, that, that's really challenging the old memory here. <laughs> uh, I, I know like bringing blankets, parking backwards so you looked out the back of the car. Uh, oh. People obviously will take a truck. Mm-mm. yeah i i don't know i guess just like in a standard car i'm just you know i'm just thinking my memories of like 
even even trying to look out the windscreen on long drives you, yeah. you end up getting like a, a craned neck kind of thing sure yeah it's that's funny because i never remember having any kind of problem with that i i honestly even remember being able to look around and see like other movies that were showing because oh, so it was a big big driving complex that, that we would go to they had like four or five screens and huh. so like if i turned around they'd be showing uh prince of thieves but presumably you can't hear the other films or oh either you have the speaker that hangs in your window or later i think they would tune to an am station wow and uh broadcast it that way so yeah but like if if as a child you kind of zoned out you turn around and like oh this gets batman returns these are all movies i went to the drive-in and saw that's very cool and uh 100 of the time fell asleep but yeah you you made me realize yeah english climate doesn't really lend itself toward the drive-in theater you want to get dark and english summer doesn't get dark until hmm. real late yeah because you do you do require that sundown before you can really mm. get a good picture as that was that was why i always fell asleep <laughs> Yeah. No, it's one of those things that's never really made it over here. Yeah, that's it's it's a very American sort of thing. We got we got the open spaces, we got the car culture. Mm. So the other the other uh significant watching of a league of their own for me was right after my son was born, first kid, and they had kind of a video on demand in the hospital room. <laughs> and so while Katie slept, I watched a league of their own. Oh, uh, really a big reason that that one made it onto my top four. Oh, that's nice let's see so that's three for me two for you you want to do your okay so i've kind of picked a couple of very uh yeah slapstick comedy ones so i'm going for a kind of in-betweeny one okay in between serious and comedy uh which is castaway oh yeah 2000 because it's you know it's the the film is mostly tom hanks obviously you've got some other characters at the very beginning and the very end but it really it just gives him a, a nice opportunity to show off that range of yeah. like overt physical comedy and actually quite serious heartfelt stuff yeah um so yeah i thought it deserved a place in my in my top four and I'm, I'm very glad I went with uh, A League of Their Own, even though you had just done mm. it, because I was going to replace it with Castaway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing this one in the theater and being like kind of blown away, like, holy cow, that's a that's a whole thing. Oh, I don't think I said Robert Zemeckis uh, directed Castaway. Yes. Yep. So that's well, we'll get to we'll get to that thought. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was yeah, I was really blown away by Castaway. We bought it. We have it. Mm on the the dvd shelf and it's one of those where it's like i don't ever want to watch this again it's long and it's grim and i don't know if i still feel that way but i i definitely think it's a film that you need a long break from yes yeah. it's, it's not an obviously feel-good movie that you're just gonna whack on like you know on a yeah. sunday afternoon or whatever sunday afternoon you're gonna fall asleep you know yeah if you time it right maybe you fall asleep before the plane crash and you just get that sweaters and uh christmas time and yeah yeah oh castaway's a christmas movie if you want it if you want it yeah if you want it hard enough i think a lot of yeah. films could be and see now i'm thinking about the set pieces in this movie and the the self-dentistry oh. as a kid who didn't watch horror movies sure i was not prepared yeah for there's some like dark and and brutal stuff in that movie it's it really showcases a range for well, that's it you know you've you've got some like like you say it's kind of body horror you've got like yeah. some real dark kind of existential 
like where he's, he's planning on killing himself, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like I said, you've got this kind of like slapstick comedy moments, like when he lights the fire for the first time and he's like slapping his yeah, chest. Yeah, he's so happy. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you've got the, 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 the decision to tell the story after he gets back mm. and the way it just is not, not like from a filmmaking way, but like from a, a it's clunky to work your way back into the world after how how long was he on three four years oh gosh i can't i can't remember what they said now it's meant to be like that like a long a long enough time that everyone assumes he is dead you know and have moved on and married somebody from law and order i forget who (laughs) i don't know but but yeah that that kind of last piece man like you say they didn't have to do that. They could have ended it with him just going back and being like, well done, you're back, you made it. Yeah. But it's those last little bits, like delivering the final packages and stuff that, that just really give it closure. And that is kind of, I, I, I'd i have to say, like, Robert Zemeckis was also Forrest Gump, wasn't it? Because that that end, and, you know, it's it's not something I typically say as a compliment, has a very Forrest Gump feel yeah, I don't. I don't know. In, in, I can't really think of why I meant that. But it, maybe it, it, in the kind of uh, the scope of the storytelling, what it tries to achieve. Yeah, and you know the kind of like multifaceted. Oh, that because that that's what made me think of Forrest Gump. They they have like a, a celebration for him coming back, right? Yeah, and he's just so uncomfortable at it. Yeah, that's that's what it where that. There's a me. moment where he watches someone like light a cigarette or light a candle or something, and it's just like oh, just the fire right there in your hand. Yeah, damn. <laughs> Who would have thought that a lighter could could elicit such an emotional response and that you would empathize with it? You know? Yeah, and it's 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 a good like really subtle performance, but it clearly conveys all that. Mm. I liked it. Absolutely. The more we talk about it, the more I like the movie <laughs> Castaway. Yeah, definitely. Definitely going to dig that one out. The, the less I'm willing to say Robert Zemeckis hasn't done anything good since Back to the Future 3. <laughs> Ooh, Back to the Future 3. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have harsh feelings about Robert Zemeckis. We'll get to Ooh. it. We'll get to it. It sounds like... Uh, uh, yeah, any, anything else just, on Castaway? No, not really. Just that I'm, I'm concerned that Robert Zemeckis has personally wronged you in some way. <laughs> <laughs> he was involved. Uh, All right. So my number four, Toy Story 2. Two specifically. Yeah. Two is the one where we get Woody's backstory. We learn about the TV show Woody's Roundup. Yep. We meet, who's the Joan Cusack character? Jay? I keep wanting to call her Jay, but I don't think that's right. Oh, um. This is my choice and I do not remember. (laughs) Jesse. Jesse. That's a much better name too. I just never remember it. So strongly, a lot of a lot of why this is on mine is the Sarah McLaughlin song. Uh, the music in the Toy Story franchise, all songs written by Randy Newman. But mm. uh, because this is Jesse's song, Randy doesn't sing it. Sarah McLaughlin sings it. And it's one of those. It's a Leningrad, man. It just emotionally just like. That's a, that's a Billy Joel reference. I get that now. Yeah, Go, go back two episodes <laughs> for that. Because I get a little of that in the first movie with... Uh, Buzz is facing the idea that he's not an actual spaceman. Mm. And uh, clearly I will go sailing no more as he's falling in slow motion down the stairs. 
you know, starts the, the thing going, but when somebody loved me, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Just, no, I was just going to say, I, I've watched some of the Toy Story shorts, but I've, I've not watched Toy Story 4. I've only, I've only watched up to three, but it does ramp up in the emotional, you know, pulling at the old heartstrings, isn't it? Yeah. What's, what's funny, everybody uh, that cried at Toy Story 3 cried at the big dramatic moment or at the end, like the, the moment of peril, mm-hmm. or the, like, this is me trying not to spoil a 10-year-old film, <laughs> or you know at the end where Andy is making decisions and the toys are going on. For me, it was actually the action scene at the beginning where there's a, a train heist oh. and it's just Andy playing with it. It's just playing with the toys, but I don't, there's something about like, this is, I think one of the things in movies that gets me is really doing childhood, right. I've mm. never thought of it that way, but it's like fully immersed in this world that they've created where the wild things are got me that same way. Yeah. Not at the end, but the beginning. So before he even sets out to the, on his boat, mm. I was like, Oh, Oh, it's heavy and it's real and it's difficult to express and it's all inside. And yeah, that was where the wild things are. Mm. Karen O soundtrack too. We we like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten about that scene, but that was it is it's a good kind of honest representation of play, isn't it? And just yeah. childish imagination or innocent imagination, I suppose. Right. And then uh, I guess what gets me in Toy Story 2 is the idea of letting that go. Mm. And it's told from the perspective of the one who's being let go, right? It's Jesse's loss of the girl who loved her. But it also, you know, brings up like, oh, yeah, you have to, as as the Apostle Paul said, put away childish things. Uh, So my final one, uh, kind of cheeky. It's, I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) it's one of the really obvious ones, but... um, Mazes and monsters. Mazes and monsters. No, um, I mean I'm going to go with Saving Private Ryan. Just, I mean, I did, I did rewatch it the other day, and it is now quite dated in terms of like the war, modern war movie tropes. Yeah, but it established them, right? Exactly. A lot of Maybe it established a lot of them, so you can't blame it for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's Steven Spielberg. It's, uh, it feels a bit obvious to to include because it's you know it's one of his whenever you look at like fresh tom hanks films, serious ones it's yeah. always in the top five or whatever but right. i do think it's it's deserved and you you get that vibe from a lot of the spielberg prestige movies mm. where you're like okay yeah schindler's list but let's brush it off and and we, we get it it's the prestige we get it yeah oh yeah i can see the the hesitance for for that reason yeah. And I don't know, like, I, I've watched a few, so of, of the DVDs that my parents had, it's like uh, The Terminal, Saving Private Ryan. Um, I, I like The Terminal, man. That that gets dumped on. I had a good, good time with The Terminal. So wasn't that, that was that was Steven Spielberg's response to... Was that also Spielberg? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was his, like, let's do a fun one. Let's do a silly fun one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of rom-com-ish that doesn't take itself too seriously. And I do like it, but yeah, now you watch it and you're like, what is that accent? Don't do accents, Tom. That's terrible. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's I, a made up country, so you can kind of kind of give them a bit of leeway, but hmm. Yeah. And I thought I thought it was a I liked the character. I yeah. thought it was So that's like I, I I felt for the guy. It's very loosely based on a true story. So yeah, he's 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 actually played according to my spreadsheet, which might be wrong, about 11 real people, which is... Yeah, and it's especially... I think I feel like especially recently, but then I guess I consider the terminal recent, and that's 
18 years ago. So, but yeah, Sully and Captain Phillips. And he plays a lot of captains too. I think he's a captain in Saving Private Ryan. He has played a lot of captains, hasn't he? Oh, my other my other favorite trope, I, f- I forgot to look up uh, more specifics on it. He pees a lot <laughs> in his film. There's the, yeah. the scene in uh, uh, League of Their Own. Yeah. I, I used, I uh, so Doug loves movies. Um, when he started doing uh, Zoom shows, mm. he had kind of had to redo some of the games and one of the games they would play is a game called how long is it Uh. where uh he would say you know pick something and the players would have to guess the length of that thing be it distance or time or whatever it was and they were almost all tom hanks related and one of the very first was how long uh does he pee in a league of their own so i it's 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 either 53 seconds or 58 seconds (laughs) i i get threes and eights confused in my head sometimes because they look so similar um but I, I know that. I know that one because Madonna times him. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he pees in that. Obviously, uh, the Green Mile. There's a lot of green a mile, lot of pee yeah. stuff going on. Uh, Castaway has one too. Oh, right? surely, surely. Yeah. Um, Big. I feel. I think it's. There's definitely something. It's a kind of semi dick joke. Like. Yeah, I, I, he he sneaks a look in the the sweatpants and is kind of shocked by it. Cool. But yeah, no other actor I know has at least three <laughs> major films. Where he, where, where he is not just like it happens in the film, but it's him. Yeah. Look, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. I, I, I also kind of want to lump this in with Band of Brothers and the Pacific. Yeah, it's it's his World War Two. It's the World War Two passion thing. Steven Spielberg. He's got the kind of the go to the moon passion thing. He's got the World War Two passion thing, and that's that's why I picked those in my what I think is four R. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good shout. But I absolutely loved Band of Brothers when it came out. Again, I've not watched it for a long time, but I'm pretty sure it would stand up. He was only, he was like an uncredited extra in that. He plays like a British soldier or something. Yeah. But he's like the narrator on the Pacific. And it's just bloody great. It's got a very young Rami Malek. Oh, really? Yeah. As a kind of really jaded, broken soldier, prying gold teeth out of bodies and stuff. That's uh, That scene stayed with me because it was quite disturbing. So Band of Brothers has reminded me um, of another podcast. It's a podcast called Dead Eyes. Hmm. Actor, comedian Connor Ratliff was going to be in Band of Brothers. Uh, he auditioned uh, and then he got a notice. He's like, oh, we're not going to use you. He said, well, why Why not? Well, Tom Hanks said you have dead eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> something something like that. And so the, the podcast is him trying to get an audience with tom hanks and he talks to you know other people involved people who know tom i think it does culminate in him actually meeting uh having tom hanks on the show wow i I, yeah i'd be interested to check that out i i do feel slightly uncomfortable about hinging such a big project and basing so much of your life about a comment that someone's made about you i feel like you know probably just like in passing sometimes you've you've just for your own mental health you've got to let these things go (laughs) yeah Um, and he does other things like it's not the only thing he's done but like that's always kind of stuck with that's reassuring that's reassuring on actually on the the dead eyes side of things um I was reminded that uh, Polar Express was one of the kind of early motion capture CGI films. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the characters in that, it's, it's that kind of early Uncanny Valley kind of thing. The eyes, the, the pupils don't really move properly and they, they've got dead eyes. Well, if we want to roll on, because um, I had top four and a bottom one, mm. Polar Express. Is your, is your bottom. Oh, <laughs> my. And see, living a normal life as I would want to live it, 
I could just let Polar Express not be for me. Yeah. And that's fine. And it, it can be over there and it's a Christmas movie and that's not my thing. Yeah. Oh, well. But Christmas 2000, I want to say 18, my wife's family has a, a tradition. There's a restaurant up in Ogden that we go to, Mexican restaurant. We have dinner there. We go back to somebody's house, do presents Christmas Eve. And then for Katie and I, we have like an hour drive back to Utah County. Mm. So so we go to the dinner. It's wonderful. It's full of cheese and sour cream and beans. Uh, and we go back to her brother's house, which uh, has a kind of small living area. Like there's a big sectional couch. Everybody has room to be, mm. but it's not huge. And there's a good number of kids running around. Mm -hmm. And it's December, so the heat is up too high. Right. So this this is all going on. And as very often happens at these events, we're waiting on dessert. Yeah. And so we're sitting around and someone says, well, let's put on a movie. And they put on Polar Express. Mm. And we sit all the way through Polar Express. And like Steven Tyler is an elf. And the songs are not for me. <laughs> Uh, if I'm to be polite about it and it's just it goes on and it goes on and the cake or whatever is not ready it's not frosted it's not done it might not be started and so we start the Polar Express a second time what it is not a short film who why for, why was this I, I I don't know there's a whole world of movies that that our Christmas adjacent. But like, what's the reasoning? Like, but we started it again. Oh my God. So this is all my negative thoughts about Robert Zemeckis here that I've held off on. I, I can't forgive him for this movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I can't say that there's any film on this list that I have quite as much vitriol for. Yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't really think about a least favorite. Uh, I think Forrest Gump is an also ram, but it didn't hurt me as personally. Yeah. It just, it, Forrest Gump was a whole cultural thing and then like you get the film heads who are like yeah that should have gone to Pulp Fiction should have won the Oscar that year and it went to Forrest Gump and, right and it's just such a broad character yeah it's it's an easy film to just pick to pieces actually do you know one that is in my kind of bottom uh the circle oh see I never saw that yeah. I was intrigued. I love Emma Watson. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, you got John Boyega, you've got Oh cool. it was um Bill Paxton's last movie. Oh. So on paper, you're like, okay. It's based on a Dave Eggers book that did really well. Okay. And like I, I like Dave Eggers. He's got a book called Um Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius, which is really good. Ah, it's a great title yeah. too. But yeah, somehow these things just did not add up to make a good film oh i think beck's okay. in it as well there's like a oh that's a beck cameo oh, i would love that to be better yeah exactly and it's just it's just bad it's just really bad so yeah that's that's probably my least favorite of his films that i've seen fair enough yeah. i've got i honestly i've got a lot of big holes um, oh yeah i haven't seen all of saving private ryan okay I've seen The Green Mile, but I don't remember it very well. Uh, it's a good movie. It's got some really good performances in it. And uh, I actually didn't see the Carly Rae Jepsen video until this morning. No, I've not seen that either. Yeah, so in terms of gaps, like I don't think I've seen anything more recent than 2017 that he's done. And even then, there's some pretty big 2000s gaps He's just done so much yeah. stuff. It's just, it's too prolific to keep up with. Well, and even just since the pandemic output, mm. Greyhound, uh, News of the World, and Finch, mm. 
and then Elvis and Pinocchio, like, over the same summer. Mm. I haven't caught up. Elvis was the one that famously... Yeah. He caught COVID while filming. That's right. Because yeah. he was one of the first celebrities to get it. I remember everyone being yeah. like, oh, it got Hanks. Yeah, let's see. What, what other notes have I got here that are worth just running through before we finish? So Angels and Demons, which I've not seen. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I didn't see any of those. No, I, I, I think we've talked about this before. The whole Dan Brown Da Vinci Code thing was one of those things that was so popular that I decided I was never going to read it or watch it. Yeah. Just to, to yeah. be difficult. But apparently at the time, Angels and Demons, he was the highest paid actor for a single movie. He got fifty million dollars for that one movie. Uh he's he said that he doesn't really like playing bad guys. So I tried to make a note of how many baddies Whenever he's played. He but he's his likability makes him an I think makes him a pretty effective bad guy because well it's because it's a swerve. I, uh, he also he plays angry a lot too yeah. even when he's you know our our guy like he's known for having a oh come on outburst I, I never got my tom hanks impression down right <laughs> all right well i think i think we've we've uh gone through tom hanks yeah absolutely he's he's always kind of been there looks like he's not really a an icon for either of us but we've always got to yeah this is it because he does so much it's hard to like that's not someone you can stick with every single thing no. The volume of the, the output. And I would be really surprised, really surprised, if there's anyone out there who genuinely dislikes Tom Hanks. Like, he's done such a range of stuff. It would really surprise me yeah. if there's not one on that list that you like or appreciate, you know. Yeah. I, I do have a friend who doesn't quite buy the nicest guy in Hollywood things. Sure. And just at, at the very least to be a devil's advocate is like, he's got something. No one's that good. But yeah, I'm like, okay. Kicks cats or something. I don't know. Yeah, I have to get to yep, work. Yep. I, I really have to get to work. So, uh, as always. Jesus was canceled. 